Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. From this verse of the scripture, there's a number of things that I want you to notice here. The first is that this verse of scripture tells us that God's promises are fulfilled at an appointed time. You cannot rush the promise of the Almighty God. My mother used to say something that as small as the face of the watch is, it takes 24 hours for the hands to go around. The point we are making is that God's promises are fulfilled at an appointed time. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. In other words, any other thing that came before that day was not Pentecost. Any other thing that appeared before that time was not Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, depending on the power of God was released, the promise of God will always be fulfilled at the appointed time. Number two thing that we see from the verse of the scripture is that God's promises are fulfilled when we are in one accord with Him and with one another. The Bible tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In other words, there has to be an agreement with the Almighty God. There has to be an agreement in spirit with God, an agreement in spirit with our fellow men, before we can begin to see the manifestation of the glory of God in our life. Day of Pentecost, the promise of God will not be fulfilled at our own timing. It, it is fulfilled at the appointed time of the Almighty God. The promise of the Almighty God is fulfilled when we are in agreement with Him. Number three, the promise of the Almighty God are fulfilled in a manner of God's choosing. In other words, God decides how He wants to fulfill His promises. You might pray and say, God, I expect to see X, Y, and Z. And God say, well, you are looking that direction, this is the direction that I'm going. God fulfills His promises in a manner of His own choosing. It is His promise, and He will do it the way He wants to do it. The Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. When the Holy Ghost will come, you will expect it to come in a different way. Maybe you should zap them, you know, so that they can just have all their hair standing up. But the Lord said, no, I'm going to come in a mighty rushing way. The same thing happened to Elijah. Elijah was expecting the Almighty God to come in an earthquake, but the Bible said the Lord was not there. Elijah expected a wild wind to bring the presence of the Almighty God, but God was not there. But God showed up to Elijah in a still, small voice. To the apostles, when the day of Pentecost was ready, the Lord came as a mighty rushing wind. In other words, that tells us, God fulfills his promises in the manner of his own choosing. He determines how he wants to do what he has promised to do in your life. Why is this important for us to understand? 
Why am I emphasizing this? I am emphasizing this because knowing how God fulfills his promise does a number of things for you. The first thing is this. When you know how God answers his prayer, when you know that God has the omnipotent authority, when you know he has the privilege and he has the ability to determine when and how he wants to answer your prayer, it frees you from all fears and anxiety. Because you know he's the one in charge. He's the one who's going to do it. Whether you can fret from now till tomorrow, it doesn't change it. God will do it when he's supposed to do it. So when you understand that, it frees you from worry and anxiety. When you understand that, you learn how to wait patiently before the Almighty God. When you understand that, the devil will not be able to cheat you anymore. Because he will not be able to give you a gimmick and tell you stories that are not true. Because you already understand how God operates. It frees you. And then finally, it gives you the grace to be able to trust and to rest on his faithfulness. Because you know he will do it. You may not know the time. You may not know how. You may not know when. But you know that he will do it. That gives you the grace and the ability to be able to rest and to trust in his faithfulness. And this was what the disciples understood. The disciples have gone with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years. They have been with him in the rough seas. They have been with him when there was no money. They have been with him in different circumstances and situations. And they knew that the Lord will always come at the time he has promised. At the right time he will show. The disciples understood this process so they did not worry. Because they knew how God operated, they were waiting patiently. Because they understood that God will never disappoint. They were resting in his faithfulness that he will come true. And now please understand. It is one thing for you to know how God operates. It's another thing for you to go through the process of his operation. It is one thing to know that yes, God will do it when he will do it. But it's a different thing when you open the fridge and there's no food. You go to the pantry and there's nothing there. You look at the bank account and there's nothing there. How at that point in time will you believe that God will do it when he said he will do it? It is a different story. It's one thing for you to know something. It's another thing for you to experience it. It's one thing for you to be able to understand the words of scripture. It's another thing for you to experience the process of the scripture. And so the question this morning is, how did the disciples, knowing how God operates, how did they survive the period that the heavens were silent? How did the disciples uh, go through the period when heaven was not giving them any instruction? When there were no indication that God was going to do anything? When there were no indication that the Holy Spirit would pour upon them? How did the disciples survive their own waiting season? Now, for you to understand how the disciples survived their own waiting season, we must first of all look at the road that led them to the fulfillment of the promise. In other words, how did they get to the point where they enjoyed the promise? You know, what was the road that led to the experience of Pentecost for this group of individuals? We must look at how they got there if we are going to see. Because the secret of their survival, the secret of their waiting, the secret of their being able to receive the promise lies in how they got to that particular experience in the first place. The secret of how they became the recipient of the Holy Spirit is a function of how they themselves got to the point where they were able to receive the promise of the Spirit in the first place. So the real question this morning is not really how they survived, but how did they get to the place of experiencing the Holy Ghost and the Pentecost in the first place? Let's go back to the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. Reading from verse number 4, the Bible tells us, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, 
when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now from this part of the scripture, you will see that the road that the disciples traveled to Pentecost, the road that led to Pentecost for the disciples started with a gathering. It started with the coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said, being gathered together with them. When the Lord Jesus Christ brought them together, when they came in contact with the Almighty God, they positioned themselves for the experience of Pentecost. In other words, you cannot expect God to do anything in your life. You cannot expect the promise of God to be fulfilled in your life when you are not ready to meet with the Almighty God. When you are not ready to come to Him. When you are not ready to submit to Him. The experience of Pentecost is impossible without first coming to the Savior. The experience of Pentecost is impossible if you are not ready to walk with the Lord. The disciples had to first of all come to Jesus. They had to walk with Jesus. They had to allow Jesus to transform them before they can experience the promise of the Father. And the same thing in our own life. If the promise of God is going to be fulfilled in your life, for you to even be able to wait for that promise, you have to first of all have an encounter with the promise giver. So there will be no Pentecost without first. An encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how the disciples first of all got to the point. That was how they positioned themselves for Pentecost. Number two. How did the disciples get to the Pentecost? How did they position themselves for Pentecost? They positioned themselves for Pentecost by traveling the road that is paved with obedience to the command and instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that I'm being assembled together. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but for wait for the promise. You cannot experience the fulfillment of the promise of God without a willingness to obey his instruction. You cannot experience the blessings of heaven if you are not willing to follow his command. The Bible says that the experience of Pentecost for the disciples happened because they had to obey what the Lord Jesus Christ told them. The experience of Pentecost is impossible for the disciples unless unless they first listened to what Jesus said and obeyed his instruction and followed his command. If you're not willing to do that, then forget about the answer to prayer. God will not continue. The Bible says that we cannot continue to live in sin. In other words, you cannot continue to live in rebellion against the Almighty God and expect His grace to continue to multiply in your life. It's not going to happen. You don't do it. You don't expect God to do it. That's why the banks will refuse to lend some people money. That's why we have credits. You cannot continue to refuse to pay your bill and then expect the bank to keep giving you money. They are in the business of making money. God will not continue to shower his blessings upon you, fulfill his promise upon you when you live in total opposition and rebellion against him. The road to Pentecost for the disciples passed through the road of obedience and the road of following the instruction of the Almighty God. And the same thing for us if we are going to see the blessings of the Almighty God manifest in our life as we wait for his promises. We must be willing to travel the road of obedience and the road of following, the road that follows the command of the Almighty God. There are those who want to enjoy Pentecost but without following the instruction and the command of the Almighty God. And that is an illusion. There is this thing that goes on in church that says, yeah, all you have to do is just bring your tithe and bring your offering and God will bless you for that. I tell you one thing. The church will take your money but you are not going to get any blessing. I can assure you. If you live a life of disobedience, outright disobedience to the Almighty God, your tithe and your offering that you are bringing to church is a waste of time. 
It is useless. Pastors will take it. We will take it because we have better things for it. But it will not bless you. The Bible says you first of all give your heart to the Almighty God. Willing to obey Him. When you surrender yourself unto Him, whatever you now bring to the altar becomes acceptable. We must, as a church, begin to do what we know is right. Pentecost is impossible if you are not willing to follow His commands. Number three, the road to Pentecost is illuminated by the promises of the Almighty God. These people were able to travel the journey because there was a promise that was attached unto it. There's discouragement as you move along the way. There is going to be frustration. The enemy will continue to remind you of the things that, you know, of the things that are not happening in your life. But when you remember the promise of the Almighty God, when you remember that, yes, the Almighty God has said this is what he's going to do, it helps you continue to travel the journey. The Bible says in verse number 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. In verse number 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. In other words, they were able to travel the journey because they know something is waiting at the end of the road. The same thing. The promise of God becomes life. When you believe and you know that, yes, there's a promise that is waiting for you. There's a fulfillment of that promise. But if you don't believe the word of God, if you have not received any promise, how? why will you wait? Why will you travel the journey? The experience of Pentecost is impossible without first receiving and believing the promise of the Holy Ghost. It is not possible for you to, you know, to experience Pentecost without first believing in the promise of Pentecost. There are those who want to enjoy, who want to enjoy the power of Pentecost, but they do not believe in the reality of Pentecost. Miracles do not happen outside of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the power of God that brings the things of God to fulfillment in our life. So, if you want to experience Pentecost, you must first of all believe in the promise of Pentecost. Number four, the road to Pentecost requires a return to the appointed place. The road to Pentecost requires a return to the appointed place. Look at verse number 12 of Acts of the Apostles chapter 1. The Bible says, And they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. You remember Jesus Christ said that do not leave Jerusalem. He said, remain there until you receive the power. That at that time, they were not yet in Jerusalem. But for them to be able to enjoy the promise that God has given unto them, they had to return to that appointed place. There is an appointed place for everything that God has spoken concerning your life. There is an appointed time for everything that he has said is going to do in your life. You must be at the right place at the time when the Lord God Almighty said you should be there. When Elijah was running away from Jezebel and Ahab, the Bible says that he was wandering the wilderness. And the Lord God Almighty met him when he was tired and was suicidal. The Lord now asked him the question. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? In other words, this is not the appointed place for you. This is not the place that I want you to be. When Jesus Christ resurrected and he spoke to him, he said, go and tell my brother to meet me at a particular place. There is a place that is appointed. In this day and age, the place that the Lord has appointed for you is at the prayer altar. That is where the Lord visits his people. That is where the Lord gives revelation to his people. That's where the Lord God Almighty transforms the life of an individual. You cannot experience Pentecost. You cannot experience the power of God if you are not willing to go to the appointed place. And the disciples understood this. They understood that Pentecost will not happen in their life unless they return to the appointed place. Number five, it is not just going to the appointed place. They understood that Pentecost happens when you go to the appointed place and you spend quality time in the upper room. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says when they had entered, in other words, when they got to the appointed place, they went up into the upper room. 
when they were staying. Peter, James, and all the other disciples, verse number 14, they were all, they were all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In other words, it is not enough for you to be in appointed place. You must spend quality time in the upper room. You must spend quality time on that particular prayer altar. You must be able to touch the hem of his garment from your prayer altar. The experience of Pentecost cannot happen without you visiting and spending a quality time in the upper room. It is not enough for you to put one hand in the pocket and just walk around and say, God, you gotta bless me. I mean, you can do that, but you're not going to get anything. <laughs> you know, because God is not your body. God is God. The idea you must understand is that there has to be a quality time spent at the prayer altar, spent in the upper room for you to experience the power and the blessings of Pentecost. Number six, the road to Pentecost requires a reorganization, a reordering of your body, a reordering of your priorities. The Bible tells us in verse number 21, Acts of the Apostles chapter 1 verse 21, it says, therefore, of the men who have accomplished us all, all the time that the Lord was, that the Lord went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John to the, to the day, to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must be witnesses with us to his resurrection. In other words, they knew that there was a particular body. They had to reorganize themselves in order to be able to be a good representation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Business as usual was not enough. For you to experience Pentecost in your life, for you to see the hand of God move on your behalf, for you to see the promise, fulfillment of the promise of God, there has to be some reorganization in your life. The Bible says we cannot continue to live in sin and expect the grace of God to continue. You cannot continue to do what you used to do in the past and expect that God will continue to release His grace upon you. You can't continue to live anyhow and expect that the secrets of heaven will be given unto you. You cannot continue to live a life that does not glorify the name of the Almighty God and expect that the power of God, the grace of God, will be abundant in your life. It's not going to happen. So there must be a visit to the upper room. But beyond that, there has to be a reorganization in your life, a reordering of your life, a reprioritization of your, of your life. You have to be able to put the first thing first. If you are serious about getting the experience that is promised unto you, something must grieve. Something must change. There has to be discipline. There has to be a reorganization of your life. There has to be putting things in proper perspective. Priority must take place. You have to put first thing first. The same thing with the Almighty God. You cannot experience the hand of God, the move of God, the power of God, if you want, don't want to change anything. The Bible makes us to understand that God himself expects that there should be a change in your life. These people had to change the way they did it. They had to change their organization for them to be able to experience the power of Pentecost. And then finally, the road to Pentecost for the disciples required continued fellowship. They required continued fellowship. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost fully came, Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The experience of Pentecost cannot happen and it cannot be sustained and it cannot be expanded. It cannot be made to fill the whole world if we do not remain in fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another. If you do not continue in fellowship, the experience of Pentecost will be an illusion in your life. If you do not continue in fellowship, the fulfillment of the promise of God will be an illusion in your life. 
The point we are making is that children in fellowship is required for us to continue to enjoy the abundant grace, for us to be continually connected to the power source. Because that is where you begin to fellowship with one another. That is where our iron sharpens iron. That is where you begin to understand what it means to be in the body of Christ. We grow in the faith when we are in fellowship. We exercise the gift of the Spirit when we are in fellowship. We advance the cause of Christ when we are in fellowship. But when you stay on your own, it makes it very difficult for you to grow. And you become a prime target for the enemy. And the power of Pentecost is useless when you are not connected with anybody. The Bible said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon me and you will be my witnesses. In other words, the power is given for a particular reason. God releases his grace upon your life for a particular reason. And the reason is so that you can impact the life of other people. If you refuse to go into fellowship, then what is the essence of you getting the spirits? If you want to experience the fulfillment of the promise of God for your life, there has to be a continuation in fellowship. There has to be a remaining in fellowship. There has to be a continued connection, not only with your fellow man, but with the Almighty God. Because when the connection is broken, fellowship breaks down. And as fellowship breaks down, there's no life wire that brings you the source of life into the life of an individual. So you see, the disciples got the they got the Pentecost experience by coming to Christ and believing His promise. They got the Pentecost experience by obeying His command and following His instruction. They got the Pentecost experience by returning and staying in the appointed place. They got the Pentecost experience by not only that was spending by visiting and spending quality time in the upper room. They got the Pentecost experience. By reordering their life and remaining in fellowship. That is how they got to the place of promise. But if you read the Bible carefully, it took them 40 days for that particular, for that particular Pentecost experience to come. It took them 40 days for God to pour down his power upon them. And the question is, what were they doing? What were they doing within that 40 days? What were they doing? How did they survive their waiting period? Number one, they survived their waiting period because they envisioned a possible future. They envisioned a possible future. If you look at Acts of the Apostles chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says that therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, in other words, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, right up to the time that Jesus Christ was taken from their midst, there's only one question these people keep asking. They were asking when they were going to, when Jesus was going to restore the kingdom, because they believed that when the Messiah came, he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel. But they did not know that he was talking about the restoration of the spiritual kingdom. They were able to survive. They were able to survive that particular period of waiting because they had a picture of a future that the Lord that they were expecting. There was a vision of a, of a possible future that they know will come when the power came upon them. That was one of the things. You cannot wait for the promise of God if you cannot see what the promise of God will look like in your life. You cannot wait, you cannot wait for the promise of God if you cannot envision yourself in that particular promise. Disciples were able to survive their waiting season by envisioning a possible future. Number two, they were able to survive their waiting season by true simple obedience. They believed God and they obeyed his word. The Bible says that being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The Bible makes us understand because they believed and they obeyed, they were able to survive that period. As they waited there, they said, the Lord said we should wait, we are waiting. 
There might be distraction that might be coming, but the Lord said we should wait. There might be enemy that might be whispering in my ears, but the Lord said you should wait. But there might be things that might not be going the way that I expected to go, and I want to see the result faster than I expect, but the Lord says wait. And they waited. That was how they survived. They obeyed the commandment of the Almighty God. Number three, they survived by spending time in the upper room. They were not idle. They were not just going up and down. They were not sitting down just fiddling or just fiddling with things. They were busy in the upper room. They spent time in the upper room. By praying, they were waiting on him. By pray, by supplication, they were waiting on him. By seeking the face of the Almighty God, they were waiting on the Almighty God. That was how they survived. The way the disciples survived their waiting season is to spend time in the upper room. And not only that, is to continue in fellowship. There is an artist that says that the dog that is going to be lost will never hear the voice of what? Will never hear the voice of the hunter. Which means that when you are separated from the pack, it's easy to get lost. When the enemy is about to punish an individual, the first thing he does to that person is to separate that person from fellowship. Because it is easy to deal with an individual than to deal with a bunch of people. And normally you know, there are times when you get tired. And you come into fellowship. And you come into the midst of the fellow believer. All of a sudden, there's a strength that comes from above. That is the strength that you get in fellowship. And that is why the Lord says, remain and continue in fellowship. Because that's the only way you can survive. If you isolate yourself, if you put yourself aside, if you do not connect with other people, you will begin to find out that the fire upon your altar will start burning low. And as it starts burning low, the enemy has an inroad. And then the enemy might be able to strike that person down. And that is why the people, the disciples understood this. And the way they waited, when heaven was not talking, the way they waited, when they were not seeing the manifestation of the promise of God, was to continue in fellowship with one another. Because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. It says, two are better than one. Because when one falls, the other one will lift him up. When one begins to get discouraged, the other person can begin to speak. When one begins to lose sight, the other one can begin to refocus that individual. For us to be able to survive our own days of challenge, for us to be able to survive our own season of waiting, we must remain and continue in fellowship. And that's why we encourage one another to call one another, to be able to pray for one another, to be able to visit one another, so that you can continue in fellowship and strengthen one another. Number five, they survived their waiting season by not having another plan, by not having an escape plan, by not having plan B. They had no option. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, the Bible tells us there of an encounter between Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ when he was still alive. Peter asked the question, he said, behold, we have forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have? In other words, this is the only plan that I have, master. This is the only thing that is going on for me. Oh boy, tell me that I'm, I'm putting my money in the right place. That I'm budgeting the right thing. I'm staking it on the right thing. If there is no benefit to this thing, then just let me know. And the Lord Jesus Christ told him specifically, he said, those who have given up everything, say those who have given up everything, they will receive what? They will receive a hundredfold. In other words, they survived their waiting season by putting everything on the altar. By putting everything on the table and saying, Lord, we don't have any option. We don't have any other alternative. We are willing to continue to stake the whole thing. That's how they survive. As long as you have options, there is a tendency for you not to wait. As long as you have options, there is a tendency for you to look for other avenue. But as soon as you know that this is your only way, just like Jacob said to the Almighty God when he was about to meet Esau, he said, oh Lord, and I will not let you go unless you bless me. In other words, I don't have any other option. If that is the way, if that is your attitude, you'll find that waiting becomes easy. Because that is the only option you have. And we all know the story. They survived the waiting season. 
They got the promise and the rest is history. They were able to turn the whole world around. The beauty of this is that if we are able to survive our own waiting season, if we are able to be like the disciples and to remain in his presence uh, and to spend time in the upper room uh, and to remain in fellowship uh, and then have no other plan, we too will enjoy the benefit of what they enjoy. Number one, we are going to enjoy the benefit of fulfilled promises. Number two, we are going to enjoy the outpouring of the power of God. We are going to become the change agent because the power of God will fill us to overflowing and will become agents of change. Surviving the waiting season is not the exclusive preserve of just one or two uh, super Christians. No, it is the privilege of every child of God. And the question is that, are you that kind of a child of God? Are you that particular kind of individual who is determined to survive their own waiting season? Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.